All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, uh, concussion protocol time. I'm not making a joke. I'm being serious time. Now I'm going to make a joke and say, Pat looks funny right now time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. West Rucker, Patrick Brown, Ryan Callahan. Coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Hope everyone out there is having a good Thursday morning. If, that, if that's what it is. Might be Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, or even Saturday morning. Because this, ladies and gentlemen, is a 4 p.m. Eastern kickoff for Tennessee on Saturday against South Carolina. The Gamecocks, who have been playing much, much better football. You know, I, I was looking at this, and uh, Tennessee's playing... I would say significantly better football than it was early this season. Uh, South Carolina is like a completely different team. Uh, South Carolina's probably improved even more than Tennessee has from the beginning of the season. And South Carolina had a little bit more expectations going into the season. So uh, this is certainly uh, a game for Tennessee that is, I would say, not a- as tough as some of them have been recently. Um, but anyone thinking this is just a – Oh, they can. They're good now. You know, they're they're really good. Look at the schedule. It softens up. Maybe no more ranked teams. Let's go do this thing. Um, this is going to be a tough one on Saturday, uh, and we'll get to the quarterback stuff in a minute here, guys. Um, but bottom line is, this is a this is a tough game for Tennessee. It's never beaten Will Muschamp. Zero and seven against the guy. They've even beaten Spurrier. They've beaten Nick Saban at times. Uh, Have they? Yeah, they did LSU back in the day. Uh, this program has beaten those 2001 coaches. in Knoxville. And, yeah, Kelly and, Washington game. I remember yep. that. And, and then, so so they've beaten a lot of these guys. They just have not beaten Will Muschamp, who is barely over a 500 coach in every game that doesn't involve Tennessee, and 7-0 and in games that do involve Tennessee. So, guys, uh, we're going to get to recruiting. We're going to get to some quarterback stuff. But just quickly, thoughts on this game. This is a tough one for the Vols, I think. Well, it's a, it's a tough one to call, first of all. You don't know what Tennessee's quarterback situation is going to be or what they're going to get out of that position. Uh, and secondly, this is a been what's been a very close series over the past, I think, seven years. The past seven games decided by 23 points. Yes. Um, I think five of them maybe were three-point games. And the other two that were decided by two and by six were decided on the final play. And there's a couple other games that have been decided on the final play. Yeah, so, almost all of them have come down to the final minute. Yeah, final minute, final play. You just um, That's just sort of the nature of this series. Uh, it's one thing if you have it like two or three years in a row, but for seven, I mean, that's uh, that's just me. It's going to be another close game where it could go either way at the end. Um, it could come down in the end, so that makes it um, difficult to uh, to determine. But I think, South Carolina I think is so good in those close in those close games. Under Muschamp, their record in, in one score games is ridiculous. Well, I mean, but even beyond that, though, I mean, ten, you know, from Tennessee's standpoint, they very well could win this game. They very well could lose this game. I think that you could say that literally about all of their remaining games. Mm-hmm. And so you just, with a team that's inconsistent like Tennessee, you just, you never know what you're going to get, particularly when, if they're not, if, if they don't have Brian Maurer for this weekend beyond. Yeah, there's, there's, I mean, all bets are off on what you get out of the quarterback position. It certainly is sounding right now like Brian Maurer might not play. That's not final, but you know, Jeremy Pruitt on Wednesday is saying he's doubtful. You know, certainly doesn't bode well if you're a Tennessee fan that was hoping against. If you're doubtful on Wednesday, 
Yeah, and willing to say that, you know, this early is usually a pretty good sign that, you know, if you were asking Jeremy Pruitt, he would probably say close to 0% chance of him playing to be willing to say doubtful this early. But because uh, you're helping your opponent and sort of, you know, crossing off a possibility for him uh, in their preparation. Now, they don't really know much about JT Shrout, I guess, if they have to prepare for him, but they've, they've got a little bit of film on him. He played Saturday a little bit, obviously, in the fourth quarter against Alabama, but you know, that, that uncertainty there makes this, yeah, really tough to forecast. You've got South Carolina playing better. You've got Tennessee improving, but still being, a uh, especially without Maurer, a, a, an offense that has its limitations, a, you know, a defense that definitely has improved. Um, you would think this might be a low, lower-scoring game, especially if Maurer doesn't play. But, uh, you know, South Carolina on their side, too, they've got a you know, freshman quarterback in Helensky who is uh, talented but still a freshman. So you, you've got reasons to, to not really know what to expect from both teams in this case. And, you know, this is in some ways, you know, I guess Mississippi State probably fell in the same category, uh, even though I, I was kind of disappointed in what we saw from Mississippi State. That didn't look like a very good team that day. But that this is kind of the second of, of a series of barometer games for Tennessee, you know, that will give us a much better feel for where this program stands because they're they're against fairly even competition in a lot of ways and this this could decide whether Tennessee goes to a bowl game this year or at least has that chance to play its way into one in November. Yeah, I think that that if there are two head coaches in the Southeastern Conference that are more comfortable than pigs and slop in, in these kind of really low scoring games. I, I think it's Will Muschamp and probably Jeremy Pruitt. These are defensive guys by their nature. Maybe Derek Mason in the same yeah, category. Yeah, probably. Yeah, he's up there too. You know, the, the, neither one of these guys really hates a game being kind of going along that vein. And, and so I think you might see, um, I don't want to say super conservative offensive plans in this game, but I think you might see both teams kind of try to keep it close, kind of take their chances when they're there, and, and then basically win the game with defense and special teams because both teams are, are, are pretty good in that area usually. So I, I think that, that you've got uh, a really, really interesting situation here with this one because we knew all along. I mean, I think we we said going into the season, no matter what else, there's a couple games that you can just – they're probably going to be close. South Carolina's probably going to be one of those. This is a toss-up game. And then that seemed to be the case when both teams started the season playing badly, and then they both kind of started to improve generally around the same time, uh, although Tennessee has nothing on its resume even close – to what uh, to what South Carolina did in Athens, Georgia, earlier this month, beating uh, the then third ranked Georgia Bulldogs. So, in in that in that vein, I mean, th- th- this is one of those games that I I don't think that it, it is an absolute deal breaker for Tennessee. Um, but you know, say what you will about Missouri and the way it played against Vanderbilt over the weekend. Missouri's a team that, that's going to try to spread you out, going to try to put a bunch of points on the board, and I don't think that's really the kind of game Tennessee's going to be very comfortable well, in. And, so this and, game and right here, and you don't expect. I mean, I would be very surprised if Tennessee could put four straight wins together against anybody at this point. Yeah, you don't um, want. You I, don't, don't, I don't think they're with the depth with the the depth uh, the way it is for Tennessee at the end of the season, even with some beatable teams for them to go out there and play winning football for four straight games against anybody. Uh, I find that I find I, 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 I have a hard time seeing that happening. Um, and so that's why I think they have to win this game. Cause that gives them sort of a mulligan, if you will, in November. And, and plus I think Missouri is a really bad matchup for them because Missouri can score. Whereas uh, South Carolina is a little bit limited offensively and not. And so is, so is Kentucky and so is Vanderbilt. And, and to your point, Patrick, that mulligan, 
you you need it in November. I mean, Missouri is the one that looks like the most likely loss among those four, but any of those teams absolutely could beat Tennessee, and that includes UAB. UAB is six and one. Yeah. So um, I you, agree. You don't have anything resembling a sure thing on the schedule, uh, but you've got a lot of opportunities, a, a lot of chances to win games down the stretch. So, yeah, this is this is big uh, to me. It's the math just gets hard. It's not to say it's impossible for Tennessee to play its way into a bowl game if they lose this one, but the math gets a lot harder. Um, because you've got to win out from that point. And, and just this team with no margin for error, backs to the wall, that's not where you want to be going into November. So the, if you want to take a step forward from 5-7 and seven last year to 6-6 to six and six under Jeremy Pruitt in year two, that's uh, the, this might be kind of a must-win for Tennessee. And, and obviously the stakes are, have traditionally been pretty high in this game in recent years, and that, that's the case again. Obviously, South Carolina kind of in the same boat. They've got such a tough schedule this year that even though they're improved, they might need a win in this game to make sure they make a bowl game. Yeah, I couldn't find a tougher schedule in college football than yeah. South Carolina's this year. You know, I was talking to uh, our good friend John Whittle from the Big Spur 24-7 Sports South Carolina site and was telling him that the past decade, most of the time when I've looked at, at those preseason schedules, the one that's really made me cringe was Tennessee's. This year, the one that made me cringe was South Carolina's. I, I mean, th- this being a year where South Carolina, nobody else had to play the top three teams in, in the country this season. Uh, maybe playoff teams will end up having to do that, obviously, but uh, that's just been a, a, and, a ridiculous, ridiculous schedule. And, and this is a team that, and you look at the South Carolina standpoint, if they don't win Saturday, they're at three wins. Uh, they have, I think they've got Vanderbilt left, which you expect them to win. Uh, then they got two sort of toss-up games against Appalachian State, who are undefeated, right? Another rank. So, yeah. uh, I don't think they would be ranked if they had a loss, but yep. um, that's a team that beat North Carolina, that beat South Carolina to open the season. And, Transitive property. Um, and then they also got to go to Texas A&M in addition to playing Clemson at the end of the year. So yep. um, you, you, the math for them, you, you pointed out the math for uh, for for Tennessee, Ryan, the math for South Carolina says that they probably need to win this game just as badly, if not more than than Tennessee. Mm -hmm. I said going into the season, I think it was sometime around August or something like that. I don't, I don't know if I said it maybe in a round table. I know I said it one time on, uh, on Feinbaum that I think that Tennessee needs, I looked at this game, this Tennessee South Carolina game. And I said, I think the winner of that game probably will say maybe it wasn't a great season, but it wasn't a terrible season. I think the loser of that game will say, boy, this was a really tough season. And, and I think that still sort of applies because I think the winner of this game has a pretty decent chance to, to go bowling, and I, I think the, the loser of this game really – really doesn't and, and so you're kind of in kind of in a tough position there I mean South Carolina you could argue that winning that Georgia game means that even if you go five and seven Muschamp's already saved his job so with that schedule getting one of those wins like that you know maybe he, he's okay there but uh, bottom line is I, I think this is a really 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 interesting game on so many levels and I actually think we were talking about this in the I was talking about this in, the, in our weekly Go Balls 24-7 roundtable that I think I think there could actually be some value to Tennessee having a lot of pressure on those final few games of the season, like a win or or go home kind of deal, uh, because I think that could help them in the future when they're playing. If these guys in a couple years down the road really have something to play for, they will at least have some kind of experience about playing in games where there were serious consequences for losing. And I think that sort of pressure is something that can build confidence. So I don't, I don't think it's like a, some sort of a huge deal, but I don't think it would necessarily be the worst thing in the world if they had to go into those final few games and they couldn't lose any of them. I well, think they, that puts pressure on you. They had that last year and blew two opportunities to play their way into a Yeah, and, and at some point you're going to have to learn that, that – y- Everything matters in these kinds of games. Because we said this last year, guys, when Tennessee 
beat Auburn and then beat Kentucky, did any of us think they weren't going to find a way to get another and go to a bowl game? I really, really, really thought they had a chance. And I know Pruitt was deeply concerned about those those final two games because of the way that the, those two teams threw the ball and their senior quarterbacks and all that. I understand that. But it just felt like that team was building towards something where it would find a way to kind of sneak in there and get to a bowl game, and then it didn't. So you don't. This team's got to prove it's not going to do that again. Well, it, it's it, last season should have been a lesson for for a first time head coach and Jeremy Pruitt, and for a lot of, a lot of players that you have to manage yourself, you have to manage your team, and you have to manage your own individual self if you're a player over the course of a long season, so you don't run out of gas. Those were bad matchups for Tennessee last season. I they were Missouri, on e. yeah, they were on e. uh, and Vanderbilt, and they look like a team that after that they look like a team that emptied it in the Kentucky game and then yep. they just didn't have anything left. And so, <clears throat> and that has to be something to uh, maybe watch these next three weeks for Tennessee. Cause you're coming off three really competitive games. You played two of the best rosters in college football. You beat Mississippi state. You had to empty a lot into that game. You, you put a lot into this Alabama game too. And now you've got, um, <clears throat> you play South Carolina and then you've got two teams that are coming off open dates before they play you and UAB in Kentucky. So, and South Carolina you, will fight you. And, and this is a, this is a team that, uh, in Tennessee, that yeah, it'll be an, you, 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 it'll be another physical game, and you got to wonder how can they manage playing six straight games in a row with having around in the mid to upper sixties in terms of available healthy scholarship players. That that's a tough deal for um, for a program that's still one recruit class away from being having a fully stocked roster uh, of guys that, that they've coached and developed and and, and know uh, and trust. So. Uh, they do have the open date in the middle of November this year before those last two games. So they'll, you know, the, the calendar does help them out in that sense. But that's something that they have to manage because if, like you said, Wes, if this program does get back to a point where it's playing for the East down the stretch every year, um, they need to know how to, to win games and kind of push through that mental and physical grind late in the season when those games are, are meaningful and you have to deliver. Yeah, and and I think we learned about that team last year. I think the narrative so much looking back on that team is that they faded Whereas I, I look back on it and see a team that's that really just showed it could win only when the matchup suited that defense well. Because Auburn and Kentucky both were not throwing the ball very well when they played Tennessee. And Tennessee matched up well with that. Their front seven played pretty well, and they won the games. And I, I think Pruitt's knowledge of, of Malzahn's offense that helps. Helps, yeah. helps a lot yeah. because – you know, he, he got to spend years there with Saban preparing for that game every year. And if you – Auburn's the kind of team that if you don't play them very often, they can be really, really hard to handle because they do stuff that's really different. But, but if you're used to playing them and you can get your players ready for it and understand the, the keys that matter, you have a much better chance. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, I think that's that's still the challenge for this Tennessee team. Can they show they can beat a team with a balanced offense, a truly balanced that, – that's really capable of throwing the ball well because – I think that's one of the things that played in their favor against Mississippi State. They were terrible at throwing the ball that day. They had a few a few turnovers. It played into Tennessee's hands. They stacked the line uh, pretty well against Kylan Hill and did some things differently in the in the defensive front that helped them stop the run well. And they they did that. But um, you know, it, obviously, I think they've they've improved on the defensive line enough that I think they match up well with those types of teams that rely heavily on the running game. And South Carolina is somewhat in that boat, but you've also got a freshman quarterback who's shown. Some, some ability to throw the ball. So this will be a nice nice test for them against a more balanced team. Two other things about this game that, that are really interesting to me. One, you've got the quarterback uncertainty for Tennessee against a South Carolina defense that's really strong up front. Jeremy Pruitt said this week that South Carolina's defensive line might be the best they've faced so far this season. Um, you know, we'll see if that's hyperbole, but probably not. I think they're, they're really good. And it's also a South Carolina team that's going to know it probably needs to stack the box against Tennessee because they're, you know Tennessee showed – 
The last time it was out without Garantano in a meaningful game, he threw seven passes in more than a half. So if it's Garantano, if it's Shrout, either way, is Tennessee going to go out there and throw it 35 times? Probably not. So well, not if it can't not if it can't get anything going on the ground. Yeah. Though, it's going to have to. I mean, so so game plan wise, this is interesting to me. Does Tennessee rely on the short passing game a little bit more, trying to open things up against that South Carolina defense, or you know, does, does this turn into a stalemate pretty quickly where Tennessee's trying to run the ball against eight man fronts and just takes what it can get uh, and, and plays conservatively? I, I don't know what to expect, but I that's why I do think this is a low scoring game if I had to guess, and then uh, and then also just. South Carolina, I mean, th- this this is a fun series. Uh, it's been tight uh, every year, and and I I just think South Carolina has shown it has a has the ability to win these types of games. Tennessee, you know, got those two nice wins last year, but you know Auburn sort of came down to the wire, but not really. Tennessee needs to show if it's the same type of game this year that, like you said, Wes, they need to find a way to win one of these games. You know, when it comes down to the to the final minutes, and can whether it's Garantano, Shrout, whoever, that someone needs to make a play with the game on the line if it turns into that again. I'll say one thing before we go to break here. I think that it's important to note that, you know, you talk about comparing state and South Carolina in some ways, and and I can see some similarities there. Um, but I can tell you this straight away: uh, state had no one like Brian Edwards. Uh, Brian Edwards is a really really, really dangerous player on the perimeter there, and he's a guy who's given Tennessee fits before. He's going to be a tough matchup again. Tennessee's playing better in the secondary, um, and they did just – Tennessee did just face the, the best wide receiver core, I think, in college football. Um, but Brian Edwards is a heck of a player, and he's a guy who can can bail out a freshman quarterback when, when a situation gets tough because he can just go make a play. Mm-hmm. He's a good football player. We'll be right back, guys. We're going to go uh, pay some bills. We're going to do the whole product, services, ads – you know, in-house ads, all that stuff. Come back in just one second. Hashtag ad. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during the commercial break. Fellas, I think one more thing we do need to mention here about this uh, the South Carolina team uh, before we maybe touch on recruiting a little bit and some other stuff here in this segment, is that I, I think it's easy to, to to forget that South Carolina also lost Jake Bentley, and, and so they do have the, the freshman Holinsky, but if he goes out and he's been banged up, uh, South Carolina is going to go back to a couple of maybe converted – you know, quarterbacks turn wide receiver turn quarterback type guys again. Is this going to turn into Kentucky 2011? I mean, what you're saying? you know, th- this well, game, this game is a couple is one quarterback injury for on, South Carolina. Carry on is, he's a, he's a quarterback. He is. He is. I mean, he's, he, he might is, be quarterback slash athlete, but he's not. Yeah. He's not, he's not a guy who's going to go out there and just be, they like, don't throw him the ball. It's not going to be a Lynn Bowden type of thing or anything like that. So I think that it is interesting though, to note that, um, both of these teams have some interesting, very, very interesting situations at quarterback, and I think that's something to note in this game. Plus, the way that that Tennessee is is playing right now defensively, I mean, I think they're going to give just about anybody some problems. We saw that, you know, say what you will about Mac Jones, Alabama still has one heck of an offensive line, the best wide receiver core in college football, and a few running backs that absolutely anybody in the country would take. So 
they still went out there and did some pretty good things against an offense that still had a ton of dangerous players on it. So let's not dismiss the possibility that Tennessee is just going to be playing pretty good defense right now. And for the first time in a full week, you'll have uh, Toa Toa and Batuli out there together again for Tennessee's defense. And those guys um, kind of make that defense go in some ways. And, and I think when you look at, at last week's performance, you know, South Carolina's defensive line is really, really good. Uh, it, it, and I, maybe Pruitt's being a little kind by saying it's the toughest they've seen this season, but he's not far off that. They're really, really good. There's a bunch of future pros in that group. There's some big, strong, physical, tough dudes. But, you know, watching some film on that, guys, Bama's got a good offensive line, and Tennessee's defensive line shocked me. Maybe it shocked Alabama, too, and that's why it went the way it did. But you watch that play where Daryl Middleton, you know, just flat-out one-hand pancakes a an Alabama tight end with one arm, and then with the other arm just goes ahead and gets a knockdown block on a guard with his other hand right within two steps of each other. You know, you see Kevon Bennett coming off the edge, uh, disrupting things and making plays. You know, you see Matt Butler getting in there and, and scrapping again. They're, you know, Aubrey Solomon's a guy who's dealing with some injuries and some stuff, and he's he's struggling. But Bumpus is one of their better pass rushing D linemen. He hadn't been able to do much. He's been banged up. So they're out there right now. They're making plays. Greg Emerson's out there making plays. Tennessee's defensive line, I'm not saying it's it's even good yet. It's just kind of better than we thought, but – they've got a chance with those guys. Yeah, the, the, that's been the most pleasant surprise of Tennessee's season, I think, clearly, with what they've they've accomplished. I mean, you could see sort of a path to Tennessee's offensive line doing what it's been doing recently because you, you were playing two true freshmen, and they've let those guys settle in at tackle over the last month to month and a half. And then you had Trey Smith sort of knocking off the rust at the start of the season. And, and now, now that all three of those guys have gotten more experience and, and you've got continuity now at four of the five spots, the only spot where you've had kind of a revolving door was right guard. So the offensive line improvement hasn't been a huge surprise to me. I, I'm really shocked at Tennessee's defensive line being this serviceable. I, I really thought that group j- just frankly wasn't all that good this year uh, talent-wise and might struggle all year. And, and they, they still – I think still might struggle in spots. I mean, we saw Alabama run it pretty well um, Saturday night for most of that game. It's a good offensive line, of course, at Alabama, but uh, you know, it's a it's a it's a, a defensive line that didn't shut them down by any means. So they're not world beaters, but they're very solid, and they were solid enough to shut down Kylan Hill. And if they continue to play like that and get pressure on quarterbacks, uh, that that's going to take Tennessee a long way. Much that gives them a much better chance of winning these types of games down the stretch because they can actually play defense. Right? Can you do us a favor and look up the uh, age and size of South Carolina's offensive line? That's I'll, I'll start working on that. True story. I, I offer. I just put on a piece of paper here, um, and now since we're going to go, uh, since we're just being completely honest about all these <laughs> things, I, I wrote down here on a piece of paper: South Carolina O line size age and i wrote that and pat had to first squint because he's not wearing his glasses no i have my contacts in you, know, you have your contacts in okay and you just you it. have really terrible writing and then he i do it's it's really really bad and and he he looked at me and, and he was like uh can you not see i'm watching something on my phone here so i was like oh, okay. i'm on my computer oh, okay. Ryan had his i'm computer. so so sorry to meanwhile wes is sitting here in front of three monitors which i think you only need one really um most people only need one do you, do you never you never Says saw the guy who can't multitask and he's got three monitors up here. One what, of them one of them has nothing on with it with my with my Bloomberg terminal up here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, he, he's got the the studio of a of a video editor 
Like that's your that's your profession. Well, it's yeah. almost like I'm the guy who does some video stuff for us or something. I don't I don't know. Maybe I don't call me crazy. Of course, that's really just pointing but, the camera in someone's direction. But nonetheless, getting this back on track, I do think South Carolina can run the ball a lot better than maybe some of the South Carolina teams in the past. Uh, three three really good backs, even if Dowdle can't uh, play. They, there's they, two. They don't have. Yeah, it looks like Rico Dowdle won't play. Seems like he's been there since. Um, Jawan Jennings was at Tennessee since Connor Shaw played. Uh, I think they might have been teammates, but. Uh, Tavian Feaster, who's the grad transfer from Clemson, I don't know. He's probably the first guy to ever play for both South Carolina and Clemson. Um, he had a big game against Florida, uh, I think 175 yards. Uh, they've run the ball pretty well uh, in some of their games lately. They have a big offensive line. Uh, and, and so I think if you're Tennessee, you, you have to try to um, you have to try to make Ryan Helensky beat you. Uh, I think this has to be the, yep. the game plan. Uh, I do think South Carolina's wide receivers are better than Mississippi State's. Uh, you mentioned Brian Edwards. Uh, Edwards, Shy Smith is another guy. Or maybe She Smith. I don't know. I, I'm not really shy. sure. I think shy. shy. I think Shy. Shy, She. I think I've heard but, both. Uh, I, I remember him as a recruit. Like, think of it shy. like Shy T. All right. Well, we'll we'll go with Ryan. Um, I, I trust you not to even though it's Shy, like it's shy T. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But um, so they, they've got a couple. Um, you know, but Mississippi State had some decent receivers too. I mean, as Howard Mitchell is not terrible, but no, he's a big boy. Um, I think if you're Tennessee, your defensive game plan, again, has to be you're playing a freshman quarterback. You need to try to confuse him. You need to try to make him make plays. Um, and, you know, he, he made a great throw to Edwards for a big touchdown against Georgia. So he, he's more than capable. Uh, I think Helensky had a pretty good game against Alabama too. So uh, he, he's he, he's capable, but I think you need to, if he's not 100%, um, and maybe was fortunate not to have a more significant injury the way he got hit in that Georgia game, uh, I think you need to try to, to put the onus on him and, and – try to keep South Carolina from playing ball control and run the ball on you, particularly if if you're down to, to Jared Garantano or J.D. Shrout, you might need to muck the game up a little bit if you're Tennessee. Well, you might to, need to try to shorten it, limit possessions, uh, and, and, and try to be aggressive on defense to yeah, and, make and something happen. You're giving Muschamp the kind of game he likes, but still that might be your best chance to win the game. So but that to, might just be what you have to do. To your point, Patrick, about their running game, though, South Carolina rushed for 217 yards against Florida, a Florida defense that obviously – didn't give up a ton in the running game to Tennessee and allowed only three points when the Vols played them more than a month ago. So, and that game was played in a monsoon. Yeah. So, uh, 387 yards of total offense, and most more than half of that was on the ground. So, not, not a bad South Carolina offense. They've definitely found a found another gear. They looked like they were struggling a few weeks ago, and now they've they've kind of turned it on here lately. So, this is um, you know maybe not the best time for Tennessee to be playing them, but but there's really never a good time to be playing a, a tough SEC opponent. Before I switch gears, Pat, I do want to say that you mentioned the name Connor Shaw and you committed a major, major faux pas. Anytime you say the name Connor Shaw, you have to say it in Steve Spurrier's accent. I you don't know be, how he yeah, says yeah, it. Connor Shaw. Oh, Connor Shaw. You have to do it like that. You okay. have to. That's my, that's my Steve Spurrier. Okay. That, that was <sighs> so disappointing. You're just being dismissive right now. And you know what? It hurts. You know, we're trying to p- present this, – this podcast – Think Here we th- go, another th- rant. Think of these listeners as the children. And this Fast is like, forward 30 this, seconds. This please. is like the parents arguing in front of the children. You have to present a united front. Ryan's a father. He can tell you this. You know, Ryan, what happens if, what happens if you and the missus are sitting there and you're having a, an argument in front of the child? He's going to pick up on that. He's going to wedge that gap, isn't he? Yeah, the two-year-old's like, what's going on? Yeah. He can read minds. Mean? He's two-year-old. Yes, He's two yes. years old. He's got plenty of experience. I'm just, I'm just saying, Pat. I'm, just, I'm trying to help you become a better person and a better podcast <laughs> co-host. I'm just trying to help here. Can we talk about what Tennessee's going to do a quarterback? We do need to do that. We do need to do that. And I was getting ready to do that. And now you're now I'm going to delay it for another 30 seconds just because you're sitting here trying to tell me what to do. No, um, I didn't tell you. I just asked. I'm kidding. I asked. I'm kidding. Tennessee 
let's assume right now as we're sitting here, let's assume that as of you know Thursday morning, let's assume that Brian Maurer is not able uh, to go because it looks like it would be kind of surprising if that were to happen. We discussed this on the on the Monday podcast, but I think we have to discuss it again really quickly. The longer I've come around on this this week, the more I've come to the conclusion that I think uh, most of us were right when we talked about this early in the week. The, the closer it gets to game time, the more I think you just kind of have to grin and bear it and start Garantano because you don't want to... See, I, I've kind of gone the other way. Really? Yeah, I think over the last couple of days, I think you, wow. just, you just need to, you know, you, you have a week with Trout. I mean, you'll need to get Garantano ready, but... Uh, I just I don't know how you play him at this point. I mean, other I'm guys really torn on this. Other guys at other positions make play, you know, make mistakes. And this they is get good because you and I disagree, and then Ryan's uh, can't tell. So we like we got all three uh, angles covered and here. So this is good. Um, you know, I, going. In, I still think Garantano gives you the best chance of winning, but at some point you have to kind of draw a line in the sand and say you are not above. Uh, you have, there has to be some accountability. Like like Theo Jackson busted on the big play that Alabama got before its third touchdown. Mm-hmm. Or he didn't. It was the cover two mix up, and Bryce Thompson's run down the field with two Alabama receivers on either side of him, and he's pointing to the safety, being like, "Where are you?" Yeah, he's good, but he's not that good. And then after that, he didn't. I don't think he played again, other than in the, maybe in the dime package. Yeah. Um, and they went with Jalen McCullough, who spoke to me earlier this week and was great, by the way. Um, tank should have some good stuff on him on the Frank site. So the check it tank. out. Shameless plug. Frank Shark the Kid. Tank. Um, Frank yes. the Tank. But uh, y- you know, he makes a mistake like that, and. and and he made, I think, some other couple of mistakes in that game, too, where it looked like the coach staff was getting on on, on that. But Theo Jackson makes a mistake. He gets pulled. Yep. Darren Gantano goes rogue on a play that would have scored a touchdown, mm-hmm. and he tried to do it himself for reasons only he will ever be able to explain. It's a great point. Um, at some point, there has to be repercussions. And, and earlier in the season, there were repercussions for how he's playing. He got pulled against Florida because he was playing so poorly in that game. But do you make a point now in a game-of-the-year kind of situation? He, I mean, what, what does it say to your team if you – if what happened last week, everybody saw it. It's like Pruitt said Monday. Everybody knows what happened. You know there were all, you know there were players around the conversation between Garantano and Pruitt and Chris Winky on the sideline after it went down. Everybody knows what happened. Brandon Kennedy and Trey Smith were probably told not to throw Garantano under the bus after the game, and, and they and, didn't. And, and Trey and Garantano legitimately are close. Yes. They were roommates as and, freshmen. And, they're they're close. Friends. And I commend Trey Smith for coming out this week and saying that people piling on Garantano is is unfair and they need to back off and he doesn't like it. And, and you would expect that cause that's his friend, but I just don't understand if you're trying to, uh, I, and I know the quarterback position is different. You have to treat it different. You have to go about it a different way. You have to handle it different because it's an entirely different position from every other one on the field. But I just don't understand how he can, how you throw him back out there after what happened last week. Um, if he went out there and threw three interceptions, that's one thing, but for him to try to do something on his own and not exit and, and not, uh, execute what was called and what everybody else was doing. That just seems very, uh, I don't want to say unforgivable, but it's almost like you've you've gone past that point of no return, and I don't understand how you could maybe bring him back out. That, I've sort of shifted towards you got to you know you got to go with Shroud just just to you know yeah you, you have a week to game plan for him. You know what he you know what he can do. You've, he's been in your program for uh, more than a year now. You know his strengths. You know his weaknesses. And frankly, he's got a lot of weaknesses at this stage of his development. Um, he's very inconsistent throwing the ball. He's still very much, I mean, he, he was only a one year starter in high school. So yeah. he, he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. He had one power five offer in high school, yeah, too. So he, he's, he, he was always a lot of interceptions. He's not, he threw a lot of interceptions. He played a lot of shotgun where they threw it around. He didn't have to check 
you know, check at the line. He didn't have to go under center a lot. Um, just the basic managing and running of the offense is something that he uh, is still very much a work in progress in, and that's that's dangerous to throw that out there against a defense uh, like Muschamp, Javaris Robinson. Those guys will uh, try to confuse him. We saw Pruitt do it with Mac Jones, where they're disguising blitzes. They're looking like they're coming one way and they come the other way. Uh, it seems like a recipe for disaster, but I think you have to at some point put your foot down and say, you can't do what you did, Garantano, and, and still keep your job. And so that's and it, and it kind of sounds like they're maybe at this point leaning towards Trout, but that's just I don't know. We'll and see. It, but yeah, I sort of I sort of I've gotten that vibe. I've sort of shifted from being like, if you start Trout, you're going to lose. To at some point, you have to say enough is enough, or not necessarily enough is enough, but that's a mistake that you can't just be like. There has to be some sort of repercussions for it, well, more or less. To me, it's. It's maybe forty percent that to me. The other sixty is I just don't know that you're getting anything more from Garantano on the field than you it's would true. from Shroud. There's some there's some validity to that. He Ryan. was he, he was used, seven he of sixteen to, for fifty five yards Saturday. He used to not make mistakes and, and well he didn't or not huge mistakes. Yeah, he didn't turn it over really Saturday besides the fumble in the end zone. But he's still just not giving you much. Like he's not throwing receivers open. He's not hitting receivers in stride all that often. Like when he hits guys open, they're often wide open. So like their throws a lot of guys could make. Um, and, and if, and if Shrout can get into a rhythm, which we haven't really seen him get a chance to play it for a long stretch of a game, you know, who's to say he couldn't do better. I mean, I, you've always got Garantano there. If, if Shrout goes out and struggles for a couple series and he looks like he's not ready, you pull him and try Garantano. I just, I, and maybe it got, maybe, maybe then the crowd would be like, okay, we've seen yeah. Shrout now give us Garantano. Right. Exactly. But if you, <laughs> and, and the other thing is, I think that is part of it. How would Garantano, I mean, even if he knows it's coming, to hear that and to have it happen at home and to throw a guy into that kind of negativity is is isn't it kind of setting him up for failure potentially yeah, right away? It's it, a tough spot. Here's where I am on this, and I know we gotta we gotta step away and get to break here in a second, so I'll, I'll try to be quick on this. But but I I understand that you know at some point you have to draw a line in the sand. However, I think about you know think about the the situation maybe with um with like a a, a Bryce Thompson earlier this season, and if someone else had had that many questions, that much baggage, and then something happened, that much potential baggage, and then something happened, if that had been a walk-on, if that had been a third-team right guard, Tennessee might have just cut bait at that point. But Tennessee held firm. Tennessee looked into it and said, okay, we can justify this. We've seen enough. We can keep him around and and give him another chance. And, And I think you treat everyone fairly, but you absolutely never treat everyone the same. And I think everyone in that locker room, you know, you can't fool your players, right? Uh, you really, unless you've recruited a whole bunch of idiots, and I don't think Tennessee has, you can't really fool the guys in your locker room. So they know if a guy is kind of undermining people and he's playing, they're going to know that. They're going to feed off that. that that's going to bother them because uh, football in the locker room, the chemistry is so important. But here's what I think. At the end of the day, players want to win games. And if those players in the back of their mind think, you know what, I, I would. I want to run Garantano's head through a plate glass window right now, but I think he gives us a better chance to win than the other guy who we practice with every day. Then they will buy in, and they will go forward because at the end of the day, they want to win games. These guys are playing for, some of them, for potentially millions of dollars down the road. You know, that this is important to them, and it's not just for their pride. Um, it's for their families and for their financial futures. If they think that Garantano gives them the best chance to win, they 100% will buy in. 
And if nothing else, because Trey Smith will buy in because he and Garantano were close, and then you could say, okay, Trey's bought in, everybody's going to buy in. And I think you have to do within reason what you think gives you the best chance to win. And Ryan made a good point. We don't know that Trout doesn't give Tennessee a better chance to win. We absolutely don't know that. But I just keep thinking – I go back through history, and I think uh, I thought about these some of these Tennessee Muschamp games. Remember what Justin Worley did against South Carolina when he wasn't, wasn't ready to play? Yeah, I mean, Will Muschamp ate him alive, and he will throw things at you that you don't that you don't understand. Were you talking about when Worley was a freshman? Mm-hmm. That was 2011. That but, was three. Yeah. No, no. That he then it was there was the the first year that he was a the first year he was a starter. His first year as a full time starter, he had a really 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 bad game against Florida. One of those games. Oh, you're talking about Florida. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And and, and so I, I think that I've seen what Muschamp does to some of these quarterbacks who don't know what's going on. And and I I I think you're setting up a tough situation there for Shrout because if you're gonna be say what you will, but if you're gonna go out there and be in a game where it's like, okay, you're gonna hand off a lot, you're gonna be very simple, you're gonna throw safe passes. You know, if you put Garantano out there and you say you have to do this, I think at this point he'll do that. Um, and regardless, if you play him, and I can justify either thing. I, I don't know that there's a firm right and a firm wrong answer here. I don't believe that there is. I think this is, this is not a black and white issue. This is very much a gray issue. But I, I think if you do put Garantano out there, you might have to go back to a check-with-me offense. You might have to go no audibles until if, you've gotten him from the sideline. And if you're doing that, couldn't Shrout do the same thing, especially if you're worried about him managing the offense? He could, but you, you worry about – you know, he just get, he has some throws that just really, really, really are dangerous. Yeah. And I know I know Garantano's done that a little more now too. But man, I just you have to put him out there and hope he's a gamer because in practice it's not even close sometimes. You know? Yeah. And it was interesting that Maurer was out there Tuesday and was by far and away the most accurate thrower on the field, even though he might not know his own middle name right I'll, now i mean I'll i'm not this. trying to make a concussion joke i'm just saying he's out there putting on a brand new helmet for the first time he's out there running around he can't do any contact so he can't even do handoff drills that's because there might be contact there and he's sitting there dropping back and dropping dimes all over the field that's two concussion jokes by the way wes good job I say i'm uh, not trying to make them they just happen i'm sorry um but uh i, I will say that shroud and by the way just to clarify earlier he had two power five offers i meant one aside from tennessee he was committed to cal Tennessee flipped him, but at the time he committed to Cal, that was his only Power 5 offer. So he was always kind of a long-term project. I always thought kind of year three was, would be the earliest he was really ready to play. So this is still, I mean, it's not it's not a bad thing necessarily that he's not been viewed as ready to play now, but it's just it's earlier than you would ideally have to throw him in there, but it's not an ideal situation. But if I'm JT Shroud at the same time, if Tennessee doesn't play me now, are they ever going to? I mean, will he ever have a better chance to start a meaningful game for Tennessee than this, short of both other starting both other scholarship quarterbacks getting injured and just not being able to play because next year you add Harrison Bailey to the mix. Maurer looks like he's emerging as maybe the guy. So, I mean, th- this this might be the best chance he ever gets to play a big role for Tennessee. Let's let's see if they trust him to, to give him a shot. we got to take a break here, guys. we got to step away for a second. We're going to get back to uh, the final segment of the Thursday podcast, which, as always, is questions from you, the Go Vols 24-7 podcast listeners, the Go Vols 24-7 uh, subscribers, those on the checkerboard. We're going to get to those in just one second after we go uh, pay some bills with products and services and ads and stuff. Hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, 
you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have just heard if you're one of those nice people who listens to the commercials and doesn't just hit the fast-forward button. Uh, but we, uh, hey, yeah, you do you, boo-boo. You do you. We're going to get to your questions as always with this. We're going to get rapid fire on these. we got a bunch of them today, so we're going to go right through them quickly. First question from BGO Snell 151 if Jared Garantano starts, do you think the plan would be to put in Shroud and split time or see how Garantano does and decide from there? Again, we're, we're guessing on this because we don't know. I, I, think, I think if I had to guess, I'd handicap it. I'd, I'd say it's 50-50 on it. I really don't know. I don't have a, I don't have a great feel at all. for what I, I would have said earlier this week Garantano is more likely. Now I'm... Now I could see this one going either uh, way. And so. I think either one will have a short leash. I was going to say, yeah. no I'm, matter I'm, who starts, I'm I can see ni- both. I'm saying 95% chance both of them play. I, I think there's a very good chance that both play at some point. I'm yeah. almost certain. I'd say 95% chance both of them play. That's just my opinion. Next question from uh, BGO Snell 151. This one has to go to Pat for obvious reasons. What did y'all see out of J.J. Peterson last week, and do you expect him to play a little bit more based on that? <laughs> uh, no, I don't expect him to play a little more when they have Batuli and, and Toto out there. Peterson does some nice things running the ball. Uh, he got lost one time on a in coverage where uh they ran some crossers with the, yeah, with the running turned. back coming out of the uh out of the backfield and he didn't look like he knew where he needed to go but uh, he's around the ball a little bit i don't think any of any any of tennessee's inside linebackers played great at all i think they all were pretty bad actually um other than maybe crouch making a play on a screen pass but peterson you kind of saw a little bit of why he's not playing and maybe also you saw that you know he didn't necessarily look completely out of place though either Question from Rocky Top Dad. Uh, I'll answer this one first, and then she'll let y'all go real quick. What's the best and worst Halloween candy? Also, what was one costume you wore as a kid? Uh, the best is a tie between peanut M&Ms and Milky Way Midnight's, and the worst is freaking Dots. The best is uh, Skittles. Um, ooh. Dots get stuck in your teeth, and they're terrible. I don't like candy corn. I think it should go away. It's pointless. Do people give that out on Halloween? I don't know. I'm not pro uh, My wife handles corn. all that stuff. My uh, costume I can remember is one year. I think I went as Buzz Lightyear. Oh, okay. There um, you go. Best is uh, either Snickers or Twix. Uh, those are always the ones I was excited. And, and and one dark horse that I only ate on Halloween and around Halloween, Three Musketeers. Would never pick one up the rest of the year, but around Halloween, they're good. Um, so th- those are those are three that come to mind for me. But uh, costumes, I never really went all that elaborate on any of my costumes growing up. I don't know. I would occasionally dress as my dad and put a, put a pillow in my shirt, and it really probably didn't make him very happy. Oh, wow. But, you know, what are you going to do guys next question uh we got a good one we're we gonna go o-line or not we're gonna do it 
We're going to do it? Yeah. Ryan's yeah. got to pull it up, right? Yeah. What's the average age of <laughs> South Carolina's offensive line? Uh, I don't know the exact age, uh, but I can tell you they, they're uh, they're probably average across the board. They've got some young guys in there. Uh, they've got a true freshman who started at right tackle last week and a redshirt freshman who started at right guard. Yeah, because um, Wanham is out probably. Yeah, Jovan Gwynn is a redshirt freshman who played at right guard last week against Florida. Jalen Nichols is a freshman. Don't they have a Tennessee guy starting? Yes, Sedarius yeah, Hutcherson, uh, who's a redshirt junior. Uh, played left tackle for them last week and has been From their Huntington. starter. Yep. Um, so that was a guy, Tennessee. Oh, West Tennessee. West Tennessee Ten. looked at him, uh, and thought about offering late in the process that year uh, under Butch Jones and did not. So that, that's the yeah, Tennessee tie there. Uh, Jordan Rhodes and Donnell Stanley are, are a couple of veterans who've been in there. So they have one starter on the offensive line who's a fifth-year senior, and otherwise it's uh, you know a, a, a fourth-year junior, third-year sophomore, and a, and a couple – freshman a redshirt freshman a true freshman i'll uh quick another quick quick question from haynes 62 what's the craziest story you've heard about craig fitzgerald that you can tell on the podcast there are many that cannot be told on this podcast well there's one there's one that's out there on the internet um, from before his tennessee days um back when he was uh, was it at harvard uh i believe it was sounds right yeah Yeah. um well we'll we'll let y'all google you guys can use google you can figure it out from there uh, question from Rocky Top Dad here. After we'll just you skip, skip. You skip virtual. Give trying to give you some love. Well, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna put y'all on the spot. Ryan, Patrick, and Ryan. Do you, we all concede that Wes was right to say sit Mauer? No, he Wes wasn't right because it was a fluke injury. And if Mauer plays, Tennessee very well might have won the game. Is it a fluke injury that a guy with a concussion issue maybe yeah, had another? Yeah, Darnell Wright isn't standing behind him. He still plays the game because the, the first what if the first big shot he took was gonna do it though. People get injured in football. It happens. I'm just. I'm just saying. <laughs> Y'all just won't even admit you, it. What, what are you going to keep him in bubble wrap, never play him again? Uh, I would maybe not play him in Alabama because I want to go play the, a bowl game. That's my the, thought. The, uh, the head coach and his team certainly didn't play like they were playing to lose like what, we wanted them to. What about South Carolina? They've I got didn't a, want them to play to lose. I wanted them to play to win six games. South Carolina has a great defensive line. Should he play against them? If he had say, say he sat out last week, can he even come back this week because South Carolina he, he has might, a great defensive he might, line? He might bump his head walking through a door for all we know. That's right. I just can't even say you're wrong. Question, Rocky Top Dad, Tennessee has a bunch of football traditions. Name one for USC Junior besides uh, the goofy well, mascot. There's Sandstorm. Yep. Oh, man. Why was Tennessee playing that on the practice field this week? They're not playing in Columbia. Yeah. That, that makes no sense to me. That baffled me. No, and, and they do they they do that. That's another Carolina first down. They do that and every time. And the Rooster time. Crow. And it's kind of – I like their Carolina first down chant. I think the, that's kind of neat. The Rooster Crow is the most – that and Sandstorm are the two most distinguishable characteristics of going to a game. If you've been to a game down there, that's that's the two things you'll take away from there. And the, and the stadium being on a weird state fairgrounds situation that's – Definitely the most bizarre in the SEC. Yeah, I it's think. a weird, weird setting. Another question from RTD: What one one thing? What one thing would you differently this weekend if you were Coach Jeremy Pruitt? Um, when? No, what, what, what are we going? Oh, for Ryan! <laughs> Ouch! I don't know what he means by one thing differently. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really understand. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I don't think you have to change everything just based on... I mean, on... I, I like most of the personnel decisions he's made. I think the offense and defense, they called a great football game last weekend, so I don't I don't really know. Rocky Top Dad question. World Series predictions. I'll say I'll still go Astros in six. I'm, I don't even care. I, I had Baseball's Ast- dead to me. Not to sound like Wes, but I had Astros in six going in. But the Nationals winning game one makes things a lot more interesting, and I guess at the time of this, we won't know what happened in game two, but... Yeah, every, everyone knows I got a soft spot for D.C. for personal reasons, and so a little, little natitude doesn't bother me at all. Uh, let's see here. Uh, A.O. Main question. Uh, not counting quarterback, which position group has the most control over the outcome of Tennessee's season? Well, given the quarterback uncertainty, I'll, I will say the offensive line. 
Because uh, if they keep getting better and Tennessee's starting to run the ball better and run the ball more, then it'll be easier for the quarterback, whoever the quarterback is. Uh, yeah, I would probably agree with that too, yeah. Tennessee's got to – got to find ways to score points, period. So regardless of who the quarterback is, I think they're going to need to outscore teams like Missouri, Kentucky at some point. So, yeah, offensive line. Here's Haynes62's weekly uh, hand-to-hand combat question, which is always a favorite of mine. Who, who is Elijah Simpson? Uh, I think we know what he means. He means big sexy is what he means. He means he means he means big sexy Elijah Simmons with the voice of an angel and the dunking prowess of Shaquille O'Neal. Elijah Simmons and Craig Fitzgerald versus Juwan Jennings and Byron Gerardo in hand to hand combat. Who wins? Give me uh, give me Simmons and Fitz. Probably because one side you got Fitz and then you've got maybe the greatest. <laughs> Uh, athlete who's ever lived probably in Elijah Simmons and even so. if even if he was losing the fight he could just take that massive chain he had around his neck right yeah and he could just choke you with that chain yeah. man he's got it it's, it's a weapon not that he needs it because he can probably just defeat everyone just by himself with no weapons but yep. just a thought um and he was on the travel squad last weekend by the way he was so, shout out to uh shout out to Big Sexy uh question from J.A. uh Black 33 GBO is Aubrey Solomon injured, or has he just been passed on the depth chart? He is injured. He's banged up. He's been banged up all well, year with a knee and an ankle and a shoulder thing, and he's fighting through it, but he's, he's dinged up. It's a little bit of both because I think yes. some guys are just outperforming him right now, namely Matthew Butler, although I don't think Butler played very well. He got pushed around quite a bit against Alabama. Had a couple uh, and then, plays, and, but had, had and, a couple nice plays. It wasn't his best game. And Daryl Middleton also, I think, has played pretty ni- uh, pretty nicely the past couple games as uh, well. All of a sudden, that 6'7", six, 320 th- six, dude looks like he might be able to make something of himself. That'd be nice to see. Uh, let's see here. Uh, final question. We'll go here. Titan Blue, go Vols. If I look at my TV when the starters are announced and upon hearing Garantano is starting quarterback, I say, ah, figgle tooth. Is that considered a boo? Um, just, you might as well just boo. Don't even say that. Yeah. Well, he's saying he's at home. And, you know, you can, boo whatever, you can do whatever you, you want. Yeah, at home they can't hear you and recruits can't be I'm gonna, I'm gonna, mystified by it. So who I'm, cares? I'm going to quote Ron Swanson here. You're going to tell a man he can't fart in his own car? Come on now. Come on now. Have at it. Let's be reasonable. Boo all you want in front of your TV. Guys, thanks for tuning in this week. Uh, We will be back, of course, at this point with the recruiting news coming in every sport, left and right, all directions, all times of the day. Who knows when we're going to be back. But if nothing else, we will be back by Monday morning uh, for the Monday morning podcast. And it will be a Monday morning podcast because this is a home weekend. Uh, As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey, who is not here because he's not a team player, is just Grant Ramey on Twitter. Uh, You can also find all of us at twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 where Ramey does an excellent, truly excellent job running our Facebook page. Been great numbers there. You're doing good, Grant. That's one thing I'm not even I can't joke about. Uh, or you can go directly to the source if you want to drink right from the hose. Go to GoVols247.com, best site on all of Al Gore's internets for Tennessee athletics coverage, football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, women's basketball, women's basketball recruiting. And there's been some news there recently. Baseball, administrative news. All kinds of things, all day, every day. Right now, you can get 30% off an annual subscription at GoBoss247.com. Be there or be wrong. And if you're not there, then that says more about you than us. And I'm sorry, but that's the truth, and I'm just going to say it. Pat, any final thoughts? No.